0: We should be talking more about Preston Smith and how good he was last year. I know that's partially my fault, which is why we are talking about him on the show today. Plus, could the Packers defense, specifically their coverage, shift in an important way in 2022? That's all coming up on today's show. You are locked on Packers. I feel like we can run the table. Your daily Green Bay Packers podcast. Rodgers gets out. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. Touchdown! You're Locked On Packers. Follow the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. I'm Peter Bukowski. And I cover the Packers for The Leap. A newsletter I would love for you to subscribe to. You can follow me on Twitter, Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to the podcast. iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked On Packers. The number one Packers podcast on the internet. And the show for fans who know what happened, they want to know why and how. Thanks to everyone who makes Locked On Packers their first listen every day. We hope you like starting your day with us as much as we like starting our day with you. Preston Smith is how I want to start today's show. I wanted to, you know, Preston Smith, that's it, that's the tweet. But that is pretty much my approach to this segment because I don't think... I realized I won't speak for the narratives. I won't speak for everyone. I won't speak for the fans. I won't speak for the national media. Look, I'll speak for me. I'm best at that. I'm best at speaking for me, right? I did not appreciate how good Preston Smith was last year. And I think that that being said, I I certainly was one of the louder voices in saying he deserved to be the guy after last season to get the extension. He got it. I was also someone who was going, Isn't it crazy that it turned out if you had told any Packer fan after 2020 that Preston Smith, not Zaderius Smith, would have been getting the extension after the 2021 season, you would have thought that was absolutely bonkers, madness, crazy cuckoo bananas. And yet, given the way Preston Smith played, it makes complete sense he deserves so much credit for after a very good 2019 season right he had the down 2020 and look there are so many reasons why that could have been he didn't come in to the season in as good a shape as he wanted he admitted that and and Whether he was going to specifically say, I wasn't in the best shape I could have been the year before, he tacitly admitted it a year later by coming in in 2021 in awesome shape and then putting together what I think is arguably his best season as a pro. The sack numbers might not reflect that, uh, but Preston Smith was outstanding last season. And I think his ability to lead this defense, to be a, a calming veteran presence, Aaron Rodgers talked about the conversations that he'd had with Preston. There was all of this turmoil around his Smith brother, Zadarius. Of course, it's worth noting they're not actually brothers. So it's, it would be a little different if that were actually his brother. There was some weird stuff going on behind the scenes with Zedarius Smith that ultimately led to his exit. Preston Smith on the field was nothing but outstanding. Was he elite? Was he, you know, Miles Garrett? Was he Joey Bosa or Nick Bosa or TJ Watt? No. And that's okay. That's not what they're paying him to be. That's sad. By pro football focus, he was 12th in edge grade. Overall, total, everything, all the stuff. He was 13 in run defense grade. Okay, maybe you don't care about grades. That's fine. Okay, he was ninth in hurries. He was 15th in pressures. He was not just an above average tackle. He was a top quartile edge defender. And if you look at some of the guys that he was ahead of in some of these metrics, they are name players. They are guys who are making more money than he is. They are guys who are supposed to be, quote unquote, better players than him. And yet his play on the field suggests they're not. And one of the reasons why I felt like this was worth bringing up is we spent a whole segment talking about Rashawn Gary and how good he was. And he was this superstar hiding in plain sight. And that is a different kind of thing. Rashawn Gary has a chance to be defensive player of the year this year. He has a chance to be a truly elite, a T.J. Watt, Nick Bosa level incandescent superstar player. Could Preston Smith put together the kind of season that Zadaria Smith had a few years ago? Sure, he could. It seems unlikely, but he could He's not that sort of upside level player. And that's, again, that is okay. What he is being paid to be is a high, high level number two. And based on the numbers I just gave you 12th edge defender in grade, 15th in pressure, 9th in hurries, 13th in run defense grade. That's all the stuff that you care about. Can he defend the run? Can he rush the passer? Can he be an overall impactful player? The answer to all of those things for Preston Smith is yes. And in fact, the Packers at the end of last season flipped their edge defenders precisely because Preston Smith was a better backside defender than Rashawn Gary. And teams were understanding that and decided okay, well, then let's set up our run concepts to attack Rashawn Gary. And if you're flipping with Preston Smith and you're going to the weak side of the field and he's playing the weak side linebacker versus the strong side linebacker, that changes the matchups. And so there's a lot of different ways to, to think about this. The way that we have to start thinking about it is that Preston Smith was a, a borderline Pro Bowl Caliber player, whether he was actually going to get enough votes is kind of irrelevant. I don't really care. But in terms of caliber, he was one of the 15 best edge defenders in the league last year. So could he have been, you know, second team Pro Bowl in the NFC? Like, uh, who cares? He was a really good He was not just above average. He was a really good player last year. If he continues to play at that level, Rashawn Gary kicks it up a notch. That's great. Here's the one thing that I think we need to add in the caveat of the discussion here. If Preston Smith is really good, which he was last year, and Rashawn Gary is really good, which he was last year, it's not enough. Because they were both really good last year. And in 2019, it was Zadarius Smith who was awesome, and Preston Smith was awesome, and the defense wasn't good enough in the postseason to get a win. So it's not enough. It's why they went out and they added Jerron Reed. It's why they went out and they added Devontae Wyatt and Quay Walker. And why they paid the money to keep Russell Douglas. They need these ancillary pieces. And, and not even ancillary. They need the other surrounding pieces. I, I was almost said secondary, but they're not. They need those guys to be major impactful players for this defense. Preston Smith and Rashawn Gary were good enough last year. Russell Douglas was good enough. Devondre Campbell and Kenny Clark, they were good enough. Adrian Amos was good enough last year. But the defense as a whole was not. So why? Well, there are some answers for that, but also... There were just some players who did not play to their potential. Darnell Savage did not play to his potential. Um, The rest of the defensive front did not play to their potential. Chris Barnes was not particularly good. Um, The backup outside linebackers outside of Whitney Merciless were not particularly good. And Whitney Merciless, by the way, is not walking through that door. He retired. So where do you move forward from here? Well, starting with the Preston Smith is awesome. Rashawn Gary was awesome. But you need more. And we're gonna talk about how they could get more in just a second. Before we do, let's talk about our friends at Bet Online. Betonline is your number one source for all of your betting needs in sports. Info find all the latest sports developments, league reviews, news, including major league baseball, golf, MMA. Bet Online is your continued source for all of your sports wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. And Bet Online remains the best spot for all of your podcast news this season. Bet Online is your fastest way to check all of your favorite sports and events, including MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. Bet Online, where the game starts. So, this was a nugget. From the Football Outsiders' almanac that I saw our buddy Aaron Nagler tweet on uh, on the internets, on the tweeters. And it kind of shocked me, honestly. Um, in 2020, the Packers played man coverage 20% of the time. That was the 30th highest rate in the league. There, 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 are thirty-two teams. So, pretty, pretty small, pretty far on the low end. And if you're a, a, any kind of NFL defense, even if you're a heavy zone team, third down, red zone, you're playing man coverage. That's just the reality of of, of life. That's just that's just how the the league works now. In twenty twenty one. That number was thirty percent, and that might not seem like a big jump, although it is a pretty. It's a pretty big jump. Um, That was eleventh in twenty twenty one, and so I think the intuitive question is: Well, they should probably just play a bunch more man coverage. And when you look at the Pro Football Focus numbers, and again, I understand that your mileage may vary on this stuff with PFF. Eric Stokes and Russell Douglas, two of the best. Corners in the league when they're impressed. Maybe do that more. The cool thing about Jair Alexander is you can put him in any coverage. Put him in any situation and he can help you win. He can play off. Great. He can Play press. Great. He can play press bail. Great. He can play. You know, in in a, a man-heavy scheme, great. He can play a zone-heavy scheme, great. He can do whatever you need. That is why he is such a special player. I think Eric Stokes, similar, played in a, in a press-man-heavy defense at Georgia, comes to the NFL where they're only going to play man coverage 30% of the time. They're not even going to press on all of those 30%. And you're asked to figure it out. And he was not just asked but able to figure it out. Now, the question about are they going to play a bunch more man coverage is a couple important factors here. Basically, no one. I mean, there there are a handful of teams, two, three, four teams that play over a majority of snaps in man. And one of the reasons why most teams don't do it is the man beater concepts are so common And so effective that it becomes really difficult. Now, that's not to say that it's impossible to defend. Especially on, you know, third and eight plus when you have to let that route develop that split second longer. Rather than picking up the four yards, you have to let that receiver clear to eight, nine, ten yards. It gets a little, it gets a little diceier. Not most teams are not playing majority of man coverage. So where is that sweet spot? When you have a group of players who are really good in man coverage, you want to be able to use that, I think, on first down, on second down, and then on third down, you want to be able to keep them guessing. Now, again, third down is the man coverage down in the league. But if it's third and 10, if it's third and 12, if you're able to get those early down stops, that makes your life so much easier on third down because then you don't have to. If it's third and four, you can't play off. It's just too easy to get into your rhythm, a three-step drop, and it's a slant, and there's just nothing you can do. Now, if it's a press man, now the rhythm is, is off just a skosh. You got to make sure your offensive line holds up, and all of a sudden, this becomes a lot more difficult. Now, on third and eight, third and 10, third and 12, when those route concepts have to develop a little bit more, and you have to let them get down the field, now things get interesting. And I think it becomes easier to play some combo coverages, becomes easier to play some cloud coverages. It becomes easier, frankly, to play zone coverage if you think your four-man rush can get home. And we just got done talking about how good Preston Smith and Rashawn Gary were last year. Add in the additions of Jerron Reed, Devontae Wyatt, Kenny Clark. They're going to be able to, from nickel packages, four downline even if they're not all truly down, two linebackers, five defensive backs, and especially if Quay Walker can run the way that we think he does, you can play some zone on third down in ways that maybe you couldn't before. And now that makes you less predictable to opposing offenses. You can get into third and longer situations, which could potentially make you less predictable than you were last year. So, the trickle-down effects of this are considerable. And I, I think that those are those are tack-on effects that, you know, I don't know that, that we're really considering right now. When we think about the changing nature of this defense, how much can they change and how much do they want to change? I mean, that is an interesting concept as well because Vic Fangio, Brandon Staley, um, the Rams last year, uh, when you have Raheem Morris, they want to play these zone heavy schemes, even if there are coverages and concepts and 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 formations where you're playing de facto man, or your backside corner when it's trips to one side is playing de facto man, or you've got, you know, these combo coverages where, where one corner is playing de facto man. Even in those instances, Vic Fangio's defense is predicated on playing a lot of zone coverage. If you want to press, press, if you don't want to press, don't press. But we're talking about zone coverage. You are the Rams, you're looking at Jalen Ramsey and you're going, "Wait, we have this incredible player. We're we're kind of we're kind of wasting him playing only man coverage." And I don't think they ever wanted to be a man-only team, but you know, Darrell Revis was one kind of player. And he could just erase your guy. Like, here, put Darrell Rivas on that guy, it's over. And I think Jalen Ramsey could be something close to that. I think Jair Alexander could be something close to that. You know, Xavier Howard could be something close to that. But not, not quite that. But the value of someone like Jair or someone like Jalen Ramsey is that they can do so much more. They can do so much more than that for your defense. And so you, this was this was always Mike Pettin's and and you know I'm sure there are going to be Packer fans rolling their eyes, going, why why do you give any F's? What Mike Pettin thinks, but I think he was right in saying if you're going to play a ton of man coverage, and you're going to carry that number one corner, and we we're talking about this with Jair as a tw- at, you know 2018 as a 2021 20, year old as a rookie, we were saying, well why wouldn't you just put Jair on the best opposing guy? And Mike Patton's point was, because that becomes really easy to diagnose. If if this guy is always on that guy, it becomes a lot easier to say, okay, then I need to get this guy in motion. I need to put him in stacks and bunches and I need to get him away from safety help and, and away from that guy. And by the way, Sean McVay, who's really good at this, it didn't work. Jair Alexander was Awesome against Brandon Cooks in that game. That was his breakout game. That's when everyone went. It was the the uh, the Weebo Man from the what, what? Why can't I think of the character's name? Weebay from the Wire. Is that right? You you'll tell me if that's right. And it's the meme is like him being like, "Oh, that was the game." Where the, and you were like. Oh, oh, wait a second. That's what he can be? That's what he can be. Oh, now I get it. And when you have players like that, I think it's easy to say, well, let's just let's just play man. Cause JR can handle it and Eric Stokes can handle it and Russell Douglas can handle it, but Part of what makes Russell Douglas so good and what made him so good last year was his ability to play off, to read and react, to play through the eyes of the quarterback, and to come up and make plays. And, and a lot of the plays that Russell Douglas made broke some of the traditional Vic Fangio scheme rules. And Jair Alexander, when he's made plays over the years, it's broken some of the rules. And and by the way, that's okay. J.J. Watt is a, is a notorious freelancer. He's going to go down as one of the four or five best defensive players to ever live. But I think it's important to say, when you have players that have these abilities, you want to give them the freedom to make those plays. And so for the Packers, I think the balance here is not saying press a bunch. You know, this is not the Mike era where they're they're just going to, you know, play off and and put an umbrella back there and it's trying to put a roof on everything and they're going to give up everything underneath and they're going to dare teams to go 10, 12, 14 plays. And by God, those teams are going to go 12, 10, 12, 14 plays because they're playing that soft. I don't think that's the world we're living in with the Packers. Do I think there were times last year when they played um, uh, bad quarterbacks, softer than they should have? Bad quarterbacks with mediocre receivers? Like they should have pressed the daylights out of the Ravens and the Browns and said, we don't think you can beat us over the top, especially when they had leads in the second half. When they had leads in the second half, trust your defense, trust your fronts to get some pressure, but trust your cover guys to say, okay, it's single high time. We're going to send pressure. We're going to let our guys win on the outside because we don't think your receivers can get anywhere. By the way, the Browns have no receivers. The Ravens have no receivers. The only player on either team who was getting any sort of anything done was Mark Andrews. And they ended up making a switch in the second half to to get some semblance of change there. I just think they could have been a little bit more aggressive. But again, when you go back and look, and we've talked about this on the show, when you go back and look at... The the Packers defense against the best competition, the the playoff teams from last year, they produced and they produced at a high level. And so, yes, do I get annoyed about what they do with some of these crappy quarterbacks? Yes, they're not going to face those guys in the playoffs. And that's where I think you have to be really confident in what this defense can be, what this defense can be in the playoffs. We saw last year they were suffocating to San Francisco. Jimmy G threw two interceptions that were dropped. Um, Eric Stokes had a pick six. Devondre Campbell had a near-pick six. They both dropped them. If either is just caught, forget return, just caught, the whole game is different. I think this Packers team has a chance to be really, really, really good defensively. And I don't think it matters that much. I mean, if they want to play 35% of man coverage, I think that's fine. It's more just about being a little bit more aggressive against these bad teams. Their, Their game plans last year against good players, against good quarterbacks, was really good. And when they had issues, it was because they just didn't execute. It was because Darnell Savage missed a 60 yard arm punt from Joe Burrow, swiped at it, and just missed. Like those are the kinds of things that doomed and didn't even doom because they won that game, but hurt this defense last year. All right, we're going to finish up here in just a second. Before we do, thanks for making Locked On Packers your first listen. Now go make your second listen. Locked On NFL, our national NFL experts and insiders. Keep fans dialed in on the biggest stories and latest news from around the league because an offseason doesn't equal a break in the action. I was right. It was WeeBay. That's the name of the character in The Wire. Uh, most of you are like, what are you talking about? And that's Okay. <laughs> that's okay All right we've got a great conversation coming up on Friday a summer Friday with uh my my old friend Lindsay Schnell from Sports Illustrated that's where we became friends she's now at USA today um and it's a little bit of a different kind of conversation it's a conversation that we had um for locked on sports today that is coming up here um, I'm on vacation starting tomorrow so a lot of these were pre-recorded but Lindsay um offers some incredible insight and then next week, Who do we have on the show? Uh, Andy Herman, Ben Fennell, Lily Zhao. We're playing the hits next week, guys. We are playing the freaking hits. Ben Fennell on scheme changes. Lily Zhao for some Zayu doing fun. And and Andy Herman on guys who were the lowest graded players last year and who could be in, in jeopardy of losing their jobs or who have a lot to prove coming up this season. So a lot of fun stuff to get to and then it'll be training camp then we'll be here then we'll have all the stuff ready to go follow me on twitter peter underscore bukowski follow the podcast on twitter locked on packers like us on facebook subscribe to the podcast itunes spotify google podcasts wherever you find podcasts you will find locked on packers anytime you want to hit us up on locked on packers fan hotline you can do that 920-341-3775 stay locked on packers